0: Hey guys, welcome to Another World Audiobooks. So glad to have you here. Once again, we're moving right along with Treasure Island. Hope you guys are enjoying this. Um, I feel like a broken record sometimes when I do these intros, but I just really want to let you guys know that I love the fact that you guys are listening, that you enjoy the podcast. Just got a review, actually, the other day. Somebody said they had a two-hour commute and that uh, the podcast has been a lifesaver. So things like that just warm my heart. So if you like the podcast, maybe consider leaving a review and uh, just let me know if you like it and uh, maybe share it with somebody that you know who might enjoy free audiobook because that's how the podcast grows and after all good things are meant to be shared so without further ado i give you the next two chapters of treasure island 11 what i heard in the apple barrel no not i said silver flint was captain i was quartermaster along of my timber leg the same broadside I lost my leg, old Pew lost his deadlights. It was a master surgeon, him, that amputated me, out of a college and all, laden by the bucket and what not. But he had hanged like a dog, and was sun-dried like the rest at Corso Castle. That was Robert's men, that was, and come to a changing names to their ships, Royal Fortune, and so on. Now what a ship was christened, so let her stay, I says.' So it was with the Cassandra, as brought us all safe home from Malabar, after England took the Viceroy of the Indies, so it was with the old walrus, Flint's old ship, as I've seen amuck with the red blood and fit to sink with gold. Ah, cried another voice, that of the youngest hand on board, and evidently full of admiration. He was the follower of the flock, was Flint. Davis was a man too, by all accounts, said Silver. I never sailed along of him, first with England, then with Flint, that's my story. And now here on my own account, in a matter of speaking, I laid by nine hundred safe from England, and two thousand left for Flint. That ain't bad for a man before the mast, all safe in bank. Tain't earnin' now, it's savings does it, you may lay to that. Where's all England's men now? I dunno, where's Flint's? Why most of 'em aboard here, and glad to get the duff. Been begging before that, some of 'em. "'Old Pew, as he lost his sight, and might have thought the shame, "'spends twelve hundred pounds in a year, like a lord in Parliament. "'Where is he now? Well, he's dead now, and under hatches. "'But for two years before that shiver my timbers, and the man was starving, "'he begged, and he stole, and he cut throats, and starved at that by the powers.' "'Well, it ain't much use, after all,' said the young seaman. "'Tain't much use for fools you may lay to it. That nor nothing,' cried Silver. now you look here. You're young, you are, but you're as smart as paint. I see that when I set my eyes on you, and I'll talk to you like a man. You may imagine how I felt when I heard this abominable old rogue addressing another in the very same words of flattery as he had used myself. I think, if I had been able, that I would have killed him through the barrel. Meantime, he ran on, little supposing he was overheard. Here it is about gentlemen of fortune, they lives rough and they risk swingin', but they eat and drink like fightin' cocks, and when a cruise is done, why, it's hundreds of pounds instead of hundreds of farthings in their pockets. Now, the most goes for rum and a good fling, and to see again in their shirts, but well, that's not the course I lay, I put it all away, some here, some there, and none too much anywheres, by reason of suspicion.' "'I'm fifty, mark you. "'Once back from this cruise, I set up gentlemen in earnest. "'Time enough, too, says you. "'Ah, but I've lived easy in the meantime. "'Never denied myself o' nothing heart desires. "'Slept soft and ain't dainty all my days but when at sea. "'And how did I begin before the mast like you?' "'Well,' said the other, "'but all the other money's gone, ain't it? "'You daren't show face in Bristol after this.' "'Why, where might you suppose it was?' "'asked Silver derisively. "'At Bristol, in banks and places?' "'answered his companion. "'It were when we weighed anchor, "'but my old missus has it all by now, "'and the is sold, lease and goodwill and riggin, "'and the old girls off to meet me. "'I would tell you where, for I trust you, "'but it'd make jealousy among the mates.' "'And you can trust your missus?' asked the other. "'Gentlemen of fortune,' returned the cook. Usually trust little among themselves, and right they are, you may lay to it. But I have a way with me, I have. When a mate brings a slip on his cable, one as knows me, I mean, it won't be in the same world with old John. There were some that was feared of Pew, and some that were feared of Flint, but Flint, his own self, was feared of me. Feared he was, and proud. They were the roughest crew afloat, was Flint's. The devil himself would have been feared to go to sea with him. Well, now... "'I tell you, I'm not a boasting man, and you see yourself how easily I keep company. "'But when I was quartermaster, lambs wasn't the word for flint buccaneers. "'Oh, you may be sure of yourself in old John's ship.' "'Well, I'll tell you now,' replied the lad. "'I didn't half a quarter like the job till I had this talk with you, John, "'but there's my hand on it now.' "'And a brave lad you were, and smart too,' answered Silver, "'shaking hands so heartily that all the barrels shook.' and a finer figurehead for a gentleman of fortune I never clapped my eyes on. By this time, I had begun to understand the meaning of their terms. By a gentleman of fortune, they plainly meant neither more nor less than a common pirate, and the little scene that I had overheard was the last act in the corruption of one of their honest hands, perhaps of the last one left aboard. But on this point, I was soon to be relieved, for Silver, giving a little whistle, a third man strolled up and sat down by the party. Dick Square said Silver. Oh I know Dick was square, returned the voice of the coxswain, Israel Hans. He's no fool is Dick. And he turned his quid and spat. But look here, he went on. Here's what I want to know, barbecue. How long are we a going to stand off and on like a blessed bump boat? "'I've had almost enough of Captain Smollett. "'He's hazed me long enough by thunder. "'I want to go into that cabin I do. "'I want their pickles and wines in that.' "'Israel,' said Silver. "'Your head ain't much account, nor ever was. "'But you'll be able to hear, I reckon. "'Leastways your ears is big enough. "'Now here's what I say. "'You'll berth forward, and you'll live hard, "'and you'll speak soft, and you'll keep sober "'till I give the word. "'And you may lay to that, my son.' "'I don't say no, do I?' Growled the coxswain. What I say is when, that's what I say. When by the powers cried silver. Well, now, if you want to know, I'll tell you when. The last moment I can manage, and that's when. Here's a first-rate seaman, Captain Smollett, sails the blessed ship for us. Here's the squire and doctor with a map and such. I don't know where it is, do I? No more do you, says you. Well, then, I mean the squire and doctor shall find the stuff and help us get it aboard by the powers. "'Then we'll see. If I was sure of you all, sons of double Dutchmen, "'I'd have Captain Smollett navigate us halfway back again before I struck.' "'Why, we're all seamen aboard here, I should think,' said the lad dick. "'We're all forecastle hands, you mean,' snapped Silver. "'We can steer a course, but who's to set one? "'That's what all you gentlemen split on, first and last. "'If I'd had my way, I'd have Captain Smollett work us back into the trades at least.' Then we'd have no blessed miscalculations and a spoonful of water a day, but I know the sort you are. I'll finish with them at the island as soon as the blunt's on board, and a pity it is. But you're never happy till you're drunk. Spit my sides! Have a sick heart to sail with the likes of you. Easy, all, Long John," cried Israel. "Who's a crossing of you? Why." "'How many tall ships, think ye now, have I seen laid aboard? "'And how many brisk lads drying in the sun at Execution Dock?' cried Silva, "'And all for this same hurry and hurry and hurry. "'You hear me? "'I see nothing or two at sea I have. "'If you would only lay your course and find it to windward, "'you would ride in carriages. you would. "'But not you. "'I know you. "'You'll have a mouthful of rum tomorrow and go hang.' "'Everybody knowed you was a kind of Chaplain John, "'but there's others as could hand and steer as well as you,' said Israel. "'They liked a bit of fun, they did. "'They wasn't so high and dry, nohow, how but took their fling, "'like jolly companions, every one.' "'So,' says Silver, "'well, and were they now? "'Pew was that sort, and he died a bigger men. "'Flint was, and he died of rum at Savannah. "'Ah, they was a sweet crew, they was. "'Only, where are they?' But asked Tig. But when we do athwart, what, what are we to do with em anyhow? There's a the man for me, cried the cook admiringly. That's what I call business. Well, what would you think? Put em ashore like maroons? That would have been England's way, or cut down like that much pork. That would have been flints or Billy Bones. Billy was a man for that, said Israel. Them men don't bite, says he. Well, he's done now hisself. He knows long and short of it now. And if ever a rough hand come to pull, it was Billy. Right you are, said Silver. Rough and ready, but mark you here. I'm an easy man. I'm quite the gentleman, says you, but this time it's serious. Duty is duty, mates. I give my vote. Death when I'm in parliament and riding my coach, I don't want none of these sea lawyers in a cabin a comin' home unlooked for like the devil at prayers. Wait is what I say, but when the time comes, why, let her rip. John cries the coxswain, You're the man. You'll say so Israel when you see, said Silver. Only one thing I claim, I claim Trelawney. I'll wring his calf's head off his body with his hands, Dick. "'he added, breaking off. "'You just jump up, like a sweet lad, "'and get me an apple to wet my pipes-like. "'You may fancy the terror I was in. "'I should have leaped out and run for it, "'had I found the strength, "'but my limbs and heart alike misgave me. "'I heard Dick begin to rise, "'and then someone seemingly stopped him, "'and the voice of hands exclaimed, "'Oh, still that! "'Don't you get sucking at the bilge, John! "'Let's go have a rum!' "'Dick,' said Silver, "'I trust you.' "'I've a gauge on the keg-mind. "'There's the key. "'You fill a pannikin and bring it up.' "'Terrified as I was, I could not help thinking to myself "'that this must have been how Mr. Arrow got the strong waters that destroyed him. "'Dick was gone but a little while, and during his absence, "'Israel spoke straight on in that cook's ear. "'It was but a word or two that I could catch, "'and yet I gathered some important news, "'and besides some scraps that tended to the same purpose. "'This whole clause was audible. "'Not another man of them will join.' Hence there were still faithful men on board. When Dick returned, one after another of the trio took the pannikin and drank. One to luck, another with here's to old Flint, and Silver himself saying in a kind of song, Here's to ourselves, and hold your luff, plenty of prizes and plenty of duff. Just then a sort of brightness fell upon me in the barrel, and looking up I found the moon had risen, and was silvering the mizzen top and shining white on the luff of the foretail, and almost at the same time, the voice of the lookout shouted, "'Land ho!' 12. Council of War There was a great rush of feet across the deck. I could hear people tumbling up from the cabin and the forecastle, and, slipping in an instant outside my barrel, I dived behind the foresail, made a double towards the stern, and came out upon the open deck in time to join Hunter and Dr. Livesey in the rush of the weather bow. There, all hands were already congregated. A belt of fog had lifted almost simultaneously with the appearance of the moon Away to the southwest of us, we saw two low hills, about a couple miles apart, and rising behind one of them, a third and higher hill, whose peak was still buried in the fog. All three seemed sharp and conical in figure. So much I saw, almost in a dream, for I had not yet recovered from my horrid fear of a minute or two before, and then I heard the voice of Captain Smollett issuing orders. The Hispaniola was laid a couple of points nearer the wind, and now sailed a course that would just clear the island on the east. "'And now, men!' "'said the captain, when all was sheeted home. "'Has any one of you ever seen the island ahead?' "'I have, sir,' said Silver. "'I've watered there with a trader I was cookin.' "'The anchorage is on the south, behind an island I fancy,' asked the captain. "'Yes, sir. "'Skeleton Island, they calls it. "'It were a main place for pirates once, "'and a hand we had on board knowed all their names for it. "'That hill on the northard, they call the Foremast Hill, "'and there are three hills in a row running southward.' Four main and mizzen, Sir, with the main, that's the big one, with a cloud on it, they usually calls the spyglass by reason of a lookout they kept when they was in an anchorage cleaning, and as there they clean their ship, sir? asking your pardon, I have a chart here, says Captain Smollett. See if that's the place, Long John's eyes burned in his hands as he took the chart, but by the fresh look of the paper, I knew he was doomed to disappointment. This was not the map we found in Billybone's chest, but an accurate copy, complete in all things, names and heights and soundings, with the single exception of the red crosses and the written notes. Sharp as must have been his annoyance, Silver had the strength of mind to hide it. "'Yes, sir,' said he. "'This is a spot, to be sure, and very prettily drawed out. Who might have done that, I wonder? The pirates were too ignorant, I reckon. Aye, here it is, Captain Kidd's Anchorage, just the name my shipmates called it.' "'as a strong current runs along the south, and then way norward up the west coast. "'Right you was, sir,' says he, "'to hold your wind and keep the weather on the island. "'Leastways, if such was your intention as to enter and careen, "'and there ain't no better place for it than these waters.' "'Thank you, my man,' says Captain Smollett. "'I'll ask you later on to give us a help. You may go.' "'I was surprised at the coolness with which John avowed his knowledge of the island,' and I owe I was half frightened when I saw him drawing nearer to myself. He did not know, to be sure, that I had overheard his counsel from the apple-barrel, and yet I had by this time taken such a horror of his cruelty, duplicity, and power, that I could scarce conceal a shudder when he laid his arm upon my arm. Ah, says he, this here is a sweet spot, this island, a sweet spot for a lad to get ashore on. You'll bathe, and you'll climb trees, and Uh you'll hunt goats, you will, and you'll get aloft on them hills like a goat yourself.' "'Why, it makes me young again. "'I was going to forget my timber leg, I was. "'It's a pleasant thing to be young and have ten toes, "'and you may lay to that. "'When you want to go a bit of exploring, "'you just ask old John, "'and he'll put up a snack for you to take along.' "'And clapping me in the friendliest way upon the shoulder, "'he hobbled off forward and went below. "'Captain Smollett, the squire, and Dr. Livesey "'were talking together on the quarter-deck, "'and, anxious as I was to tell them my story, "'I did not interrupt them openly.' While I was still casting about my thoughts to find some probable excuse, Dr. Livesey called me to his side. He had left his pipe below, and, being a slave to tobacco, had meant that I should fetch it. But as soon as I was near enough to speak and not to be overheard, I broke immediately. Doctor, let me speak, get the captain and squire down to the cabin, and then make some pretence to send for me. I have terrible news. The doctor changed countenance a little, but next moment he was master of himself. Thank you, Jim said he quite loudly. "'That was all I wanted to know.' "'As if he had asked me a question. "'And with that, he turned on his heel "'and rejoined the other two. "'They spoke together for a little, "'and though none of them started "'or raised his voice or so much as whistled, "'it was plain enough "'that Dr. Livesey had communicated my request, "'for the next thing that I heard "'was the captain giving an order to Job Anderson, "'and all hands were piped on deck. "'My lads,' said Captain Smollett, "'I have a word to say to you. "'This land that we have sighted "'is the place we have been sailing for. "'Mr. Trelawney.' "'Being a very open-handed gentleman, as we all know, "'has just asked me a word or two, "'as I've been able to tell him that every man on board "'had done his duty, a low and aloft. Has i never seen it done better, "'why he and I, the doctor, are going below to the cabin "'to drink to your health and luck, "'and you'll have grog served out to you "'to drink our health and luck. "'I'll tell you what I think of this. "'I think it's handsome, and if you think as I do, "'you'll give a good sea cheer for the gentleman that does it.' "'The cheer followed. "'That was a matter of course.' "'but it rang out so fully and heartily "'that I confess I could hardly believe "'that these same men were plotting for our blood. "'One more cheer for Captain Smollett,' "'cried Long John when the first had subsided, "'and this also was given with a will. "'On the top of that, the three gentlemen went below, "'and not long after, word was sent forward "'that Jim Hawkins was wanted in the cabin. "'I found them all three seated round the table.' a bottle of Spanish wine and some raisins before them, and the doctor smoking away with his wig on his lap, and that, I knew, was a sign that he was agitated. The stern window was open, for it was a warm night, and you could see the moon shining behind the ship's wake. "'Now, Hawkins,' said the squire, "'you have something to say. Speak up.' I did as I was bid, and as short as I could make it, told the whole details of Silver's conversation— "'Nobody interrupted me till I was done, "'nor did any one of those three of them "'make so much as a movement, "'but they kept their eyes upon my face "'from the first to last. "'Jim,' said Dr. Livesey, "'take a seat.' "'And they made me sit down at a table beside them, poured me out of glass of wine, "'filled my hands with raisins, "'and all three, one after the other, "'and each with a bow, "'drank my good health and their service to me, "'for my luck and courage.' "'Now, Captain,' said the squire, You were right, and I was wrong. I own myself an ass, and I await your orders. No more an ass than I, sir, returned the captain. I never heard of a crew that meant to mutiny, but what showed signs before? For any man that had an eye in his head to see the mischief, and take steps accordingly, but this crew, he added, beats me. Captain, said the doctor, with your permission, that's Silver, a very remarkable man it look remarkably well for a yardarm, sir, returned the captain. But this is talk. This don't lead to anything. I see three or four points, and with Mr. Trelawney's permission, I'll name them. You, sir, or the captain, it is for you to speak, says Mr. Trelawney grandly. First point, began Mr. Smollett. We must go on, because we can't turn back. If I gave the word to go about, they would rise at once. Second point, we have time before us at least until his treasure's found. Third point, there are faithful hands. Now, sir, it has got to come to blows sooner or later, and what I propose is to take some time by the forelock, as the saying is, and come to blows some fine day when they least expect it. We can count, I take it, on your own home servants, Mr. Trelawney. As upon myself, declared the squire. Three, reckoned the captain. Our sails make seven, Captain Hawkins here. Now... About the honest hands. Most likely to roll on his own men, said the doctor. Those who he picked up for himself before he lit on silver. Nay, replied the squire. Hans was one of mine. I did think I could have trusted Hans, added the captain. And to think that they're all Englishmen, broke out the squire. Sir, I could find it in my heart to blow the ship up. Well, gentlemen, said the captain. "'The best that I can say is not much. "'We must lay to, if you please, and keep a bright lookout. "'He's trying on a man, I know. "'It would be pleasant to come to blows, "'but there's no help for it till we know our men. "'Lay to and whistle for a win, that's my view.' "'Jim here,' said the doctor, "'can help us more than anyone. "'The men are not shy with him, and Jim is noticing that.' "'Hawkins, I put prodigious faith in you,' added the squire. I began to feel pretty desperate at this, for I felt altogether hopeless, and yet, by an odd train of circumstances, it was indeed through me that safety came. In the meantime, talk as we pleased, there were only seven out of the twenty-six on whom we knew we could rely, and out of these seven, one was a boy, so that grown men on our side were six to their nineteen. Oh, things are getting real huh. hope you guys are enjoying the book so far uh, go ahead and let me know what you think um, we're on all the social mediums you can get uh, get in touch with us through email all the links are down in the show notes and if you like the podcast would you consider supporting it you can do that at anchor.fm slash Audiobooks. link is also in the show notes and uh, just click on support the podcast um, and remember, we also have the full unabridged audiobooks on YouTube, so go over there and subscribe. You'll be able to get uh, new audiobooks when we post them up there. Um, yeah, The whole point with this thing is that uh, a lot of free audiobooks out there are really low quality, so I'm hoping that I'm putting some stuff out there that's high quality, enjoyable, and uh, fun to listen to. And um, if you enjoy it, just, I, all I ask is that you just share it with other people. So thanks so much for listening today. We'll catch you guys next time. Don't worry. You aren't the only one. You aren't the only business that needs help. You aren't the only person that has a hard time finding the right help at the right price. This is where Business Bloodline becomes your bloodline to temporary and permanent staffing. Business Bloodline specializes in hiring internet workers to creatively solve problems for your business. Business Bloodline does all the vetting and only delivers candidates that make sense for your needs and at a cost that you can afford. But 60 seconds isn't enough for me to tell you why hiring through Business Bloodline is safer, cheaper, and less time-consuming. We would rather show you. To get more information or a business consultation, visit businessbloodline.com. If the job can be done on a computer, Business Bloodline can find a match. Visit businessbloodline.com and tell them that you heard about it on Another World Audiobooks to get 10% off your first hire. Remember to mention that you heard about it on Another World Audiobooks to get that 10% off. Businessbloodline.com